Hi, welcome to First Chapter Friday. I am Maddie, and I'm going to read you the first chapter of some really good books that I think you'll like. You can find me on Instagram, hashtag Big Mouth Librarian. Today's book is The Patron Saint of Nothing by Randy Ribe, and it is about a high school senior who is getting ready to go to college, and he finds out his cousin, John, is, um, has died in the Philippines where Jay was born, and no one will tell him what happened to his cousin and how he died, and he thinks that if he could just get back to the Philippines and visit his family, Someone will be able to tell him what happened. And he thinks that the truth is better than not knowing, no matter what the truth is. And he can put the pieces together and someone will tell him what happened. And he can find closure and vindication for his cousin's death. It's a great window to a country, the Philippines, which I had known very little about. And some of the current issues that are going on there and some of the struggles of the people that live there. It's a great book that I could not put down, and I hope you love it too. It's available on Sora right now. It was a day of soil, sunlight, and smoke. Curtains thin as bedsheets glowed gold as roosters called out from the backyard on the other side of the concrete walls and single-pane windows. On the floor of the room, my father and his two brothers had shared growing up. My mom held me as I held a lifeless puppy and cried. The oscillating fan hummed, blowing warm air on us every few seconds. I was 10, and this was my first time back in the country where I was born. A few days earlier, my family had driven the 11 hours along frightening roads from Manila to Lolo and Lola's house in the Bicol region. When we arrived, we found their dog, an unnamed mongrel, chained to the cacao tree out back, had just given birth to a litter of puppies, and only one lived. The mother refused to care for him, so I had taken the task upon myself. I held him close to keep him warm. I tried to feed him by hand, dipping my finger into a bowl of evaporated milk, and then offering a drop to the puppy's impossibly small mouth. However, the puppy would not drink the milk maybe because of the grief from losing his brothers and sisters, or maybe because of his mother's rejection. Whatever the reason, his breathing grew shallow. His movements slowed. Each time he blinked, his eyes remained closed longer and longer, until they never reopened. At that point in my life, I had encountered death only in fiction. I'd heard about other people's relatives dying, but I had never seen death up close. I had never held it. Listen, Mom said in that moment, hugging me closer. So I did. This baby birds chirped outside the window. One thing dies, and another is born. Maybe the puppy's soul now has wings. Gradually, I calmed down and stopped crying. But I still felt heavy with sadness as the warmth left the tiny ball of brown and gray fur still cradled in my arms. When I finally stepped outside, almost all my Filipino titas and titos laughed, not in a mean way, I think, 
but more like it was amusing that a dog's death affected me so much because it was nothing to them. Another day, another dog. My cousins did not need to have someone stroke their hair or reassure them that death was a part of life. It wasn't long before the family's attention drifted away like the smoke from the garbage being burned a few houses down. My brother and sister resumed the card game of speed they'd been playing. My dad and Lolo returned their attention to their bottles of San Miguel. My mom gave my shoulder one last squeeze and then went over to the outdoor kitchen to help Tito Chato, Tita Ami, and Lola finish preparing lunch. Tito Danila rested a hand on the top of my head and spoke of finding comfort in God's love. Why Tito Manning told me to stop crying and took away the puppy's limp body. He returned a few minutes later, brushing his palms as if he'd just taken out the trash. He moved to pet the puppy's mother as he walked past, but she shied away. He continued on, took out a new bottle of beer down from the cooler, and sat down next to Dad and Lolo. Tito Danilo stood by in awkward silence for a few more moments before joining them, leaving me there alone. But I was not alone for long. My cousin, Jun, walked over and hugged me. I'm sad too, Kuyaje, he said, using the older brother designation which had never seemed right. I'd been born only three days before him. And besides that, he was one of those people who've moved through the world as if he'd been around for a long time. An old soul, as I'd say. I almost asked if John, what, is, what his father had done with the puppy? What he'd done with its brothers and sisters the previous day? But I didn't. We can only handle so much truth at any given moment, I suppose. So instead... I said nothing. He looked at me with sympathetic eyes, eyes so brown they were almost black. Do you want to go inside and read comics? I nodded, grateful for the chance to escape from everyone without being by myself. He threw his arm over my shoulders and we went inside and we read comics. A few days later, the vacation ended. I flew back to pine trees, overcast skies, and a Michigan winter that could sputter till May. My tan faded. My tongue forgot the taste of Tocino and Tagalog. I stepped out of my tinselas and back into my suburban life as if I had never left. Unanswered. I sleep in on Saturday because I've got no plans beyond gaming with Seth later tonight after he finishes his shift at the sock store. I shuffle downstairs in my joggers and an old t-shirt after I what I'll generously call brunch, sink into the living room couch and fire up my PS4 to make some progress in this one-player game where you battle massive robot dinosaurs in a post-apocalyptic earth. I don't know how many hours into this session I am when Dad's suddenly standing behind me. Jason, can you pause your game for a second, he asks. I'm almost to a checkpoint, I say. Jason, he starts and then falters and he tries again. Jason, I have something important to tell you. Hold on. I know I'm being an ass, but I'm pretty sure this is probably going to be about college or something I really don't want to talk about anymore. Plus, I'm in the zone fighting this T-Rex that's already killed me like a million times. Jay, he says, I slide down a hill, draw my bow and arrow, triggering the slow motion mode, release two arrows in quick succession, Both hit the beast's energy core, drawing heavy damage and narrowing its HP counter to a sliver. Yes, I say. Your Tito Manning called. He pauses. Jun is dead. 
My finger's slow, but I keep playing. I'm not sure I heard him right. Wait, what? Dad clears his throat. Your cousin, John, he's dead. I freeze, gripping the edge of the controller like a ledge. Suddenly, I feel like I'm going to be sick. On the screen, the mechanical creature mauls my avatar. My life drains to zero. The camera pans upward, mimicking the soul's skyward path. The words finally land, but they don't feel real. I was just thinking about my cousin last night. That's impossible, I say. I sit up and shift, so I'm facing Dad. He's wearing his nurse's scrubs, and his salt and pepper hair is disheveled, like he's been running his fingers through it. Behind his glasses, his eyes are bloodshot. I glance at the time again. Mom's at the hospital, and he should be too. I uh, thought you'd want to know, he adds. When? I ask my test tightening. Yesterday. I'm quiet for a long time. What happened? I mean, how did he... I can't say the word. He sighs. It doesn't matter. What? I ask. Why not? He's gone. That's it. He was 17, I say. 17-year-olds don't randomly. He takes off his glasses and rubs his eyes. Sometimes I do. So it was random, like a car accident or something? Dad puts his glasses back on but avoids looking at me. He says nothing for a few minutes and then quietly, what would it change if he knew? I don't answer because I can't. Doesn't the truth itself matter? I should be crying or throwing my controller down in anguish, but I don't do any of this. Instead, there's only mild confusion, a muddy feeling of unreality that thickens when I consider the distance that had developed between John and me. How do you mourn someone you already let slip away? Are you even allowed to? Since I don't know, I mirrored the disturbing calm of my father, as I always do. We share the space, the silence, but on the inside, I'm a plane with a failing engine. He's gone. Dad repeats after some time. That's it. Then a nervous laugh escapes his lips. I try to process the information. John is dead. His life has ended. And here I am, sitting in my living room on the other side of the world, a can of Coke on the coffee table, playing a video game on an enormous wall-mounted flat-screen TV, college on the docket, Dad wanders away. Wait, I call after him. Can we get there in time for the funeral? And he stops over his shoulder, says, there won't be one. Confusion hits me like a wall. Why not? Your Tito Manning doesn't want to have one. The way he died, it wasn't, it's uh, none of our concern. What do you mean? I ask. But he's already gone, probably retreating upstairs. Left alone, my confusion turns to anger which starts to grow with nowhere to go, like the roots of a plant in a too small pot. I finally drop the controller and bury my face in my hands. I take a few shaky deep breaths, but my heart continues to race. My jaw stays clenched. My stomach remains knotted. I think of all the letters we wrote to each other over the years. What did this last one say? I don't even remember. But this I'll never forget. I left it unanswered. Thanks for listening. See you next week.